Amen. Go ahead. Let's go ahead and stand. And um, actually, go ahead and remain seated. Okay. We're not going to read for for a little bit. But, um, so go ahead and open your Bible to Matthew chapter six. Uh, Matthew six. And um, let's go ahead and open up in the word of prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, please pray, Lord, that you would bless the word, your words, um, the word of God. It's amazing that. Um, You've given us your word. Yes, you've given us a beautiful creation um, to admire your wonderful works. And yet, you've gave us your word that we may know you more personally. That you move holy men filled with the Holy Ghost to pen your scripture. Um, that we would be able to have thus say of the Lord and... That's what we need. We don't need more religion. We need more of your word. And we're thankful for your word and the relationship we can have with Jesus Christ. In Jesus' name, amen. And so we're turning to Matthew 6, if you haven't yet. And um, there, um, we're, we're doing our series on, on Is It Really So? I was calling it um, Things That Aren't Really So. Um, but we change it around a little bit to just be, is it really so? That way it doesn't give the answer right away. It may be so, it may not be so. And um, just to bring a little bit of suspense. And um, um, a lot of feedback from last week. A lot of people um, said they learned some things and about turning the right cheek. And um, heard there was um, um, a little bit of gossip in town. Um, um, some, they um, read the newspaper and it had an article and it talked about um, our um, new message series, Sunday School being Growing in Grace, Attributes of Growing in Grace and of Growing in Our Walk with Christ. And then the other message was th- or series um, for our 11 o'clock service, Things That Are Not Really So or Now Is It Really So. And there were people talking about it at the restaurant and um, just saying things like, man, what's that pastor trying to say that Christians have been lying to people all this time? Things that are not really so? Man, what's he saying? Like, all these teachers are lying to us or, or lying to them? And, and it's just funny how sometimes things get spun um, after um, reading about it. And, and yet, after the service, there was a lot of feedback from the church service from here. Um, and they're like, man, you know what? I didn't see some of the things that way before, but it, it makes sense. And so it w- wasn't about that, hey, you know what, Christians are always lying to you. It's more if there's things that sometimes we misunderstand simply because we don't um, understand the historical, the cultural context. Um, or sometimes it's just maybe a scripture out of context. And it's sometimes, sometimes we all take things out of context on accident. Now, there are many that do it on purpose. That's why you have so many denominations, so many religions. They'll take scriptures and they'll take things out of context on purpose to deceive. Well, you know what? There's been times where, you know, I've read something where, where I was younger and, and then growing and learning. I'm like, you know what? I kind of read that passage out of context and stuff. And, and so we're all learning. We're all to be growing. And what the people at the restaurant were saying to was, Oh, that pastor's just young. He'll grow up one. He'll mature and um, one day. And, and I, I hope that we're always always maturing. Amen. 
let's, let's make sure, but let's not get crabby, amen? Let's, let's, let's keep that joy, amen? Um, there, today, I'm talking about, does God command all given to be done in secret? I'm going to have to move this. It's just kind of getting in my way a little bit. But does God command all giving to be done in secret? There are few topics that are more sensitive than the topic of money. People generally would rather hear a sermon about any other topic, even if it's controversial. There are a lot of jokes about preachers and money, but when a pastor teaches on money, people usually are not laughing. I thought they were supposed to. There's so many jokes about it, you can fill books about it. Um, but um, Brother um, Jerry Horax, um, I told him, I was like, man, our heater's having a hard time compensating with the, with the cold outside and it's trying to get it warm up. And he goes, well, that's all right. You know what? Let's just have it warm up. Let's burn a fire with the preaching of the Word of God. And I was like, well, today's topic is one of those topics that could burn a fire inside and warm, warm you up. Amen? Um, common understanding is that God requires all giving to be done in secret. And there is definitely an element where God does talk about giving in secret. Um, Matthew chapter 6 and verse 1. It says, Take heed that ye do not your alms before men to be seen of them. Otherwise ye have no reward of your Father which is in heaven. Therefore, when thou doest thine alms... Do not sound a trumpet before thee, as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and in the streets, that they may have glory of men. Verily I say unto you, they have their reward. But when thou doest alms, let not thy left hand know what thy right hand doeth, that thine alms may be in secret. And thy father, thy father which seeth in secret himself shall reward thee openly. And then it goes on. But here we see Jesus talking about not doing your alms for the purpose of being seen of men. And um, so some um, have concluded, some, some passage, even uh, myself included, that means that no one should ever know about your generosity. That no one should ever know about your giving um, whether it's helping a neighbor or whether it's giving, giving a church or um, whether it's given for a special offering, giving to missionaries, um, or just maybe bringing a meal over to someone. That um, somehow we end up thinking this, these are things um, that are always supposed to be done in secret. But is it really so that all giving is to be done in secret? Um, now again, Jesus did say that thine alms may be in secret. But Jesus did not command us that not to ever let others know what we give. And um, some of this we'll see the scriptural context really teaches. Um, alms, for one, is specifically speaking um, about the first verse talking about alms. Um, alms is talking about giving to the poor, um, helping um, the needy, um, or it also includes acts of compassion. It's not always giving of money but of showing acts of mercy or compassion, of helping somebody. And the Bible says that when you do these alms, 
not to do it for the purpose of, um, of being seen before men. We'll, we'll read on in verse 5. In the same message by Jesus, he said that prayer is also to be in secret. It says, And when thou prayest, thou shalt not be as the hypocrites are, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and in the corners of the streets, that they may be seen of men. Verily I say unto you, they have their reward. But thou, when thou prayest, enter into thy closet, and when thou hast shut thy door, pray to thy father, which is in secret, and thy father, which is in secret, shall reward thee openly. But when ye pray, use not vain repetitions as the heathen do, for they think that they shall be heard for their much speaking. Be not ye therefore like unto them, for your father knoweth what things ye have need of before ye ask him. So here, Jesus talks about praying in secret. Well, we've already prayed. We maybe aren't in a synagogue, but we just prayed in the church facilities in our church building. And it was a public prayer. And, um, and the, what Jesus was saying was not meaning to forbid or outlaw and say that all prayer around other people is wrong. Now, did he talk about praying in secret? Yes, he did. He talked about entering in your closet, praying in secret, and your Father will reward thee openly. Well, you know, in Luke 9, in verse 28, um, we'll see from several scriptures, Jesus wasn't meaning never pray in public, never pray with others. In Luke 9, 28, it says, He took Peter and John and James and went up into a mountain to pray. Jesus took some of his disciples with him to spend time in prayer. We see when Jesus was instituting the Lord's table, instituting communion, that he gave thanks. He gave a prayer of thanks in the midst of his disciples. When he was feeding um, um, the thousands from just a few fishes and loaves of bread, that he gave a prayer of thanks. And bless it. Jesus is not here being hypocritical to what he taught. So it's more of trying to understand um, the overall um, context. We see the early church prayed in one accord in prayer in supplication. They prayed together, Acts 1.14. These all continued with one accord, or about 120 of them. In prayer and supplication. So they were praying together. And in the same fashion, Jesus Jesus was not saying that, um, you know, never pray in public, never pray with your spouse, never pray with friends or family. He was just teaching about what's the motive, what is the purpose. Is it to be seen of men? Is, 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 is that why um, one is doing, and the same thing applies with our given. Um, the Lord is condemning much more than the fashion one is given in. Much more than just the method, but he is also speaking of the motive one is given in. That it's not just the fashion they give, but it's the motive. Why are they um, giving? In verse 1, 
um, we, we see again that Jesus addressing the intentions of Matthew 6. Take heed that ye do not your alms before men to be seen of them. This is what Jesus was addressing. There were the Pharisees and the others that before they were about to give an offering. This is, um, I believe, speaking both literally and figuratively, um, both of them. But um, the Pharisees would sometimes, before they go in the synagogues, um, they usually couldn't do it in the synagogue, but in the streets, on their way, um, they would blow the trumpet. And then they would want people to see what they're giving in. That they are giving of a great abundance um, into the treasury. They, 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 they blew the trumpets. They, they tooted their own horn, so to speak. It's this figure of speech we use today. There, then it was, they would blow the trumpet. Sometimes literally, but even when it's not literally happening, they would want everybody to know. They, 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 they wanted their name, so to speak, on things as this person gave a lot. Now, if someone recognized someone for their giving, there's nothing wrong with someone doing that. But when the motive is, we are doing it to be seen of men, then we're not doing it with a pure motive. We're not to be given and, and blowing the trumpet. And the, the offering that they would have in the synagogue many times was shaped even in as a trumpet. And then when they would put their money and their change, in, if it was a lot, it would make a lot of noise. If it was just a little bit, then it just make a little bit noise. Um, Jesus is not saying that there should, others should never be aware of our good of our good deeds, rather he's telling us not to do these things for the purpose of recognition. The problem is that oftentimes we want to seek the reward from man, from people, rather than God. If we give in order to receive people's praises, we'll get what we're looking for. Jesus said, these hypocrites, they receive their reward. They get their recognition from man. They get the pat on the back. But they miss out on the reward from God, which is much greater. It's Jesus that says, Otherwise you have no reward of your Father, which is in heaven. God wants us to have pure motives. But he also tells us to let others see what we do for him, so that he may be glorified. In this same passage, this same Sermon on the Mount, um, turn to chapter 5, just, just a page back, if it's even a page back in your Bible. In 5, verse 16, it says, Let your light so shine before men, that they may see your good works and glorify your Father, which is in heaven. Remember, the first part of giving of alms, um, let not your alms be before men, means any kind of acts of righteousness, any kind of good works, any kinds of um, good deeds, and then alms specifically would be given of the poor, of the needy. But we see Jesus in Matthew 5 says, let your works be seen. Let your works be seen. Now, the purpose isn't so you receive the glory. You're not doing it for the purpose of being seen of men. You're doing it you're to do it to the glory of God. 
But don't hide your words. You know what? Don't always hide that when you're reading the Bible. Don't be like, oh, you know what? I'm on my lunch break and someone's coming in. Oh, I better hide reading my Bible. Or, don't, oh, no, I was praying, but someone walked in. I better stop praying. Or what, whatever it may be. Or you, go, um, or you say you're bringing a meal to somebody. And you, say, you don't have to wait in the car. Okay, i got to wait till nobody sees me. And then run to the door, leave on the doorstep, and leave. Okay, the Bible says, you know what? Let your light so shine. Let people see your good works. Not for the purpose of being seen of men. It's kind of like a paradox. You want it to be seen of men, but you're not doing it for the purpose of being seen of men. That makes sense? Maybe not. Mike just confused us, huh? You're saying you'd be seen of men or do it not for men. Well, you're not doing it for the glory of mankind. But people ought to be able to see um, your works. And Jesus was never saying that People should never know you're a giving person or can't ever know what you give. The point is that you shouldn't give or do any other good work for the purpose of being seen of men. You know, this applies to anything. You could sing a special in church. You could teach a Sunday school class. You can come in and clean the church before Sunday. You can be an usher. You can... Go out soul winning. You can give um, financially either to bring glory to God or to be seen of men. Now, people see you if you're teaching Sunday school. They see you if you're working on a bus ministry. Um, We don't have one here yet, but if we had one. Um, People see you if your servant is an usher. But we're not to do it with the purpose of receiving the glory. Hey, you know what, um, Sister Laura, she comes in here and with Norma about two times a month, if not more, coming to clean the church. You know what, usually nobody sees her when she comes in. She's not doing it to be seen of others. She's not doing it for me to give this recognition either. But it's not sinful for me to recognize her either, amen? Um, Bible talks about give tribute to whom tribute is due or um, glory to whom glory is due. And the thing is that She's not doing it for the purpose to be seen of others. But at the same time, may her works shine. May, 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 pe- may people see um, these kinds of things. Um, Daniel um, was here yesterday and, and um, repairing um, in the doorway where there's a lot of rot and, and um, saving uh, um, from a potential hazard of someone um, getting their high heels stuck in, in there and tripping and falling. Daniel didn't come in and do that work to be seen of men. But yet, you know what? People ought to be able to know that man. You know what? That man's a servant. He loves the Lord. He loves the Lord's church. He loves to be involved. That shouldn't be something we have to hide. Like, oh, you know what? We can't do a church work day because there's other people around. No, people ought to be able to see our faithfulness. And now, while he was making that to not be a, a safety hazard, I have to confess that I'm the first already. I was walking out there, dark at night, going home at 2, two o'clock in the morning or 1.30 in the morning. And I saw the light in, way out into the hallway, but I wasn't paying attention to how close I was to the step. And I fell 
and in pain. My, my ankle still hurts. I was thinking I was going to have to preach sitting down last, when I was, last night. So it's supposed to not be a safety hazard, but if you have the lights off when you're walking, then you're probably going to have an accident when you don't know where the step is. So it didn't work as long as I thought it would, Daniel. I already fell. <laughs> but he did a great job on that, getting, getting that all fixed up and appreciate um, that. But it's anything that we do. And the question is not so much what we do. It's why we do it. Any good work for the Lord can be done for either pure or wrong motives. Let's go ahead and turn you to Mark 4, 12. Mark 12 and verse 41. It says, And Jesus sat over against the treasury and beheld how the people cast money into the treasury. And many that were rich cast in much. And there came a certain poor widow, and she threw in two mites which make a farming. And he called unto him his disciples and saith unto them, Verily I say unto you that this poor widow hath cast more in than all they which have cast into the treasury. For all they did cast in of their abundance. But she of her want did cast in all that she had, even all her living. Man, imagine that. Jesus was standing there watching to see how and what people gave. He didn't talk to others about their gift, her giving. People may not blink an eye um, of a leader said again why he said, wow, you know what, Daniel, thank you for the work you did yesterday in the church. You got rid of that safety hazard. People be like, hey, yeah, you know what, that's fine to recognize that. Daniel didn't do the work to be seen a minute again. See, I got a hold of myself in my notes. But it's not wrong for the whole church to know that he did it. Here we see Jesus isn't just speaking about some word, but he's speaking about this woman's giving. Can you imagine if the pastor, you know, I don't have June give me the financial reports of, um, um, of what people give individually. I just get collectively. But can you imagine, you know, if a pastor did what Jesus did, that he was just standing there watching. Is that, is that person giving? How much are they giving? And now Jesus also knew their heart. Jesus knew when someone gave in little that they gave in much. But Jesus observed um, that. But you think about what, say if a pastor was to say, Daniel, you know what? Daniel is so faithful in giving. Man, you know what? What a blessing he is to the Lord's house. And, and um, he gives regularly. Um, he gives every week. And um, you know what? People would be like, what? You shouldn't talk about that. You don't talk about money. That burns the fire inside. That stirs us up. But Berg Jerry Horrocks, he told me to stir people up. So you blame him, okay? My message totally changed after he told me to do that. I was going to preach just about love, and he told me to stir people up. I'm just kidding. But, um, but see, and then saying, give the pastor saying, well, you know what, these people over here, you know what? They maybe put a lot in, but you know what? They were wealthy. 
They didn't have any sacrifice. There was no heart in it. They just did it to be seen of men. Jesus observed what they gave, and then he talked about it. And um, what Jesus was teaching his disciples was, it was the heart and the motive that mattered more. It mattered way much more than the dollar amount that was given. What was the heart? Are they giving just to be seen of men? Or are they giving out of their love for the Lord? And also, are they giving out a guilt? You know what? We don't want to give out a guilt. You know what? God loves a cheerful giver. Give not out of necessity um, for our love offerings, free will offerings. Um, we're not to be guiltified into it unless it's something from the Word of God that He tells us to do something and we don't do it. And that kind of guilt um, is natural. But that's where when we give, we want to give cheerfully. And that is the heart that matters, not the specific dollar amount. And some people say, man, you know what? I'm going to give a penny every week. It's not the amount that matters. You know what? God sees the heart in that. For some... You know what? The two pennies, that was her living. That was a sacrifice. That was her putting um, the Lord um, first in her life. Well, you know what? Interesting, there's the command. She said, give not your alms before men to be seen of men. Well, you know what? There is public giving mentioned throughout the Scriptures. Um, you could look at um, some of these later. Um, number seven. I'm booking Numbers chapter 7. List the names of all the donors they gave to build the tabernacle. It listed their names. said, um, I can't even pronounce the names. They're very hard names to pronounce. But it gives their names. says, and they gave this um, to the tabernacle. It, many times it tells them what they gave. First Chronicles 29, we'll go ahead and turn you this one. This is the last chapter in First Chronicles. Um, this is something we could really learn from from this passage. First um, Chronicles 29 verse one says, Furthermore, David the king said unto all the congregation, Solomon my son, whom alone God have chosen, is yet young and tender, and the work is great, for the palace is not for man, but for the Lord God. And it's David speaking, Now I have prepared with all my might for the house of my God. The gold for things to be made of gold, and the silver for things of silver, and the brass for things of brass, the iron for things of iron, and wood for things of wood, on stones, and stones to be set, glistering stones, and of diverse colors, and all manner of precious stones, and marble stones in abundance. Moreover, because I have set my affection to the house of my God, I have of mine own proper good of gold and silver, which I have given to the house of my God, over and above all that I have prepared for the holy house. So David is telling his people, I'm personally going to be involved in this. 
I'm going to be involved in giving um, for this temple to be built. And then he's specific. He tells them, Even 3,000 talents of gold, of the gold of Ophir, and 7,000 talents of refined silver, to overlay the walls of the houses withal, the gold for things of gold, and the silver for things of silver, and for all manner of work to be made by the hands of artificers. And who then is willing to consecrate his service this day unto the Lord? You know what King David said? He said that, um, carry this so I can read it when I come down here. But he's saying, you know what, I'm going to give. I'm going to give personally. I'm going to give towards this project. And who else is willing to consecrate his service to this need? Who else is wanting to be involved? He's not forcing them. He's not guiltifying them. But he's trying to encourage them, to motivate them. And he uses in the sample women of his own giving. Um, you know, this message really has nothing to do with our special offering that we're going to have the first week of April. It just, it just got time right. But, but, but like you see, you know, he mentioned what he gave. It was, he wasn't um, being unfaithful to what Jesus would later say of giving in secret. Okay? He's not doing this for the purpose of saying, look at me. I did this. Look at this. I'm giving this much. I'm giving this much more than you. No, he's using his giving as an example to others, to encourage others, and saying, you know what? I'm not just expecting you to give to this project. I'm personally being involved. And, you know, for our upcoming project, you know what? We plan using a portion from our, um, from our tax refund to give towards it. And then we've also been trying saving up like um, $25 a week to build up um, to that time and give towards that. Pastor, you're not supposed to say what you're doing. You know, it's our alms are supposed to be done. See, we're, we're not to be doing things for the glory of mankind. But yet we see he uses this as motivation. We um, read on. Let's see. He goes, okay. And who then is willing to concentrate his service this day unto the Lord? Then the chief of the fathers and princes of the tribes of Israel and the captains of thousands and of hundreds with the rulers of the king's work offered willingly and gave for the service of the house of God of gold 5,000 talents and 10,000 drams. And of silver, 10,000 talents. And of brass, 18,000 talents. And 100,000 talents of iron. And they with whom precious stones were found gave them to the treasure of the house of the Lord by the hand of Jehiel the Gershonite. Then the people rejoiced for that they offered willingly because with perfect heart they offered willingly to the Lord. And David the king also rejoiced with great joy. Wherefore David blessed the Lord before all the congregation. David said, Blessed be thou, Lord God of Israel, our Father, forever and ever. The people caught division. The they gave with a perfect heart, willingly. This is public. Um, they gave publicly um, in this situation. And the Bible says they had a perfect heart. I was at a missions conference last year. Or maybe it was the year before. 
And they did something unique in the church. I, I didn't feel comfortable um, doing it here for our first missions conference, but it was pretty, pretty unique in that they, um, they asked the missionaries what some of their top needs were. What were um, their top ministry needs? What were some of their top personal needs, um, top family needs? And they would, the missionaries gave that to the church ahead of time. And then on one night of the missions conference, Pastor would mention some of the needs. He would say, you know what, this missionary has this need. Anybody like to give any towards that? And someone would raise their hand and say, hey, you know what, Pastor, I'll give $50 toward that. Someone else would say, I could give $5 toward that. And instead of it being like all awkward and being like, you know, I can't, I can't, I can't give anything, and other people are giving, and I can't. You know, the Bible teaches that there are times where sometimes you lack, and others abound, and they're able to give, and you may not be able to. And that in another time, someone else may lack, and you may be able to give more. Um, the Bible says that we're, um, God doesn't expect us to give of what we don't have. Okay. He doesn't expect someone to take a mortgage, another mortgage out of their house to be able to give towards some need. He doesn't expect you to give what you don't have. But that was inspiring, seeing, the, seeing them do that. The missionaries were surprised. They hadn't seen anything like it, neither had I. But that didn't cause any awkwardness. It was more, it was inspiring, seeing like, wow, you know what? When the need is mentioned, one person's able to give a little bit. Someone else maybe is able to give a little bit more. And, and they're able to take care of the needs of the missionaries. Now, this was here in the Bible was more the, the, the temple. And that was the, um, the missionaries. But we see when others are giving, it inspires us. It motivates us. It encourages us to um, give. But that's where we need to watch our heart. If we were to give in that kind of situation, are we going to say something like, hey, I'm going to give $1,000 and then not give it? Then that's more being trying to be seen of men. Or even if it was given. It's the heart that Jesus is looking at. David goes on, Thine, O Lord, is the greatness and the power and the glory and the victory and the majesty for all that is in the heaven and in the earth is thine. Thine is the kingdom, O Lord, and thou art exalted as head above all. Both riches and honor come of thee, and thou reignest over all. And in thine hand is power and might, and in thine hand it is to make great, and you give strength unto all. And he gives thanks, he, um, he, he gives praise, and, and, it, and it just um, goes on. And, um, and you, you, you can read on, he talks about how they prepare that for the glory of the Lord. Well, you know, some would say, you know, that's in the Old Testament. Well, you know, in the New Testament, 2 Corinthians 8 refers, Paul is telling the church at Corinth about the church, churches in Macedonia, how they were very generous. They gave, that they gave even in their poverty, they gave what they could. And more than the funds they gave to help with the needs, it was they were willing of themselves to minister to the saints that were in need. 
We see people in the church of Jerusalem in Acts 4.35 that it says, And laid them down at the apostles' feet, and distribution was made unto every man according as he had need. So here, the whole church, people that were able to give, they came forward, they came to the apostles' feet and gave. That was given in a public setting. And it says, And Joseph, who by the apostles was surnamed Barnabas, which is being interpreted the son of consolation, a Levite, and of the country of Cyprus, having land, sold it, and brought the money, and laid it at the apostles' feet. So, you know, so people knew that he sold his land, he sold his property to help with this need. It was voluntarily, it wasn't coerced. This is something he felt like the Lord wanted him to do. He wasn't doing it for the purpose of being seen by men, but people knew it happened. It's the motive that matters. And we see others at the same time did not have a pure motive. In Acts 5, the next chapter, in verse 1, it says, But a certain man named Ananias with Sapphira his wife sold a possession and kept back part of the price. His wife also being privy to it, and brought a certain part and laid it at the apostles' feet. But Peter said, Ananias, why have Satan filled thine heart to lie to the Holy Ghost and to keep back part of the price of the land? Was it remain, was it not thine own? And after it was sold, was it not in thine own power? Why hast thou conceived this thing in thine heart that thou hast not lied unto men? but unto God. And Ananias, hearing these words, fell down and gave up the ghost, and great fear came on all them that heard these things. And it goes on, going on in verse 8, it says, And Peter answered unto his wife, unto her, Tell me whether you sold the land for so much. And she said, Yea, for so much. Then Peter said unto her, How is it that ye have agreed together to tempt the Spirit of the Lord? Behold, the feet of them which have buried thy husband are at the door, and shall carry thee out. Then fell she down. And in verse 11 we see, And great fear came upon all the church, and upon as many as heard these things. See, Peter told him, you know what? It was your property. It was your land. It's your power to do with it what you want. Even when you sold it. It's you. You own it. This is not some kind of form of communism that sometimes people will get from this passage. This was, he says, you own this. This is yours. Where the sin came in was they wanted to be seen of men. And they said that we sold our land and we gave all of the funds to go towards this need. They were wanting the glory of man and they lied to get it. They could have kept the land. They, they didn't have to sell it. But they saw Barnabas, and maybe they saw some of the recognition that Barnabas got. Barnabas wasn't seeking the attention, but perhaps some gave some to him. Like, wow, Noah, praise the Lord for your generosity. Ananias and Sapphira, they had an impure motive. They wanted to be seen in men, and they lied and said, hey, we're selling this, and we're giving it all to the church when they kept part of it. Now they could have did this. They could have said, hey, you know what? We sold our property, and we want to give 
20% to this need. Nothing wrong, would have been wrong with that. But it was the heart, the motive. They wanted to be seen to men and they even lied about their giving. Giving, though it's controversial to teach about a preacher, it's not being faithful to the whole counsel of God if he doesn't preach it. Because giving is another grace that we need to grow in. That we're to grow in grace. And now some of us have bad experiences. Sometimes they have been in churches where it's all about money. Or maybe it's been about we've been watching too many TV preachers that say, hey, give $25 and you'll get a cloth and touch this cloth and you'll be healed of your illness. Okay, yeah, those are charlatans. They're, 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 trying, they're making merchandise of you. And the Bible even teaches that. It warns against false teachers that use things, emotions, sensationalism, to make merchandise of widows or of others. And we need to be on guard um, from that. But I know that, um, there's been people that have bad experience. I, um, someone in the church told me about how his dad was out in the Vietnam War at battle, fighting for our country and defending our country. And the pastor ended up calling them and saying, Hey, I know you've been over there a few months, but when are you going to send your tithe in? Okay? That kind of thing is uncalled for. Okay? That's when we know it. They're out in the middle of the battle, potential to die, and then that's where the focus is on the given. That would be an impure motive of the pastor. Because you know what? Given is between a person and the Lord. Um, that is, um, is so. But you know what? That does not ne- um, neglect the fact that we're to be growing in even our giving. That it's a grace to grow in. We often treat giving differently than other aspects of spiritual growth. Yet it's really another area where you grow in grace. In the passage about giving in 2 Corinthians 8, 7, we read, Therefore is ye abound in everything, in faith, and utterance, and knowledge, and in all diligence, and in your love to us. It says, you're growing in these. These abound. You're loving. You're caring. That, 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 um, you're growing in your knowledge. You're growing in your faith. And he says, see that ye abound in this grace also. And he was speaking about giving. Speaking to them, you know, grow in this area. Grow in your heart for giving. And this isn't just talking about like giving in a church setting. I'm talking about giving in general. Seeing someone in need. Someone, uh, and, and being generous. Being a help to them. Or just wanting to be a blessing. They may not be someone in need, but you just want to get, give to them. Where do you grow in this desire and grow in our heart um, in giving. Giving is not a non-important thing for Christians to grow in. Yet again, it's something people don't usually want to hear about. Nobody gets upset when a pastor preaches about faith. People don't get upset by a message encouraging love. Christians expect their pastor to remind them of the importance of reading the Word of God. However, when preachers talk about money... Again, people off, not everybody, but there's some people that will react negatively. Think about it. People don't get upset if someone asks you, how is your reading of the Bible been? I missed you at church last week. 
How has your prayer life been? Have you been able to share the gospel with someone? But man, ask someone, how has your giving been lately? Not that you're asking what they gave, but you ask them, how has your giving been? Most of us, maybe all of us, would feel a little bit awkward. And so we don't ask people that. And we don't necessarily need to. But we need to examine in our own life. How am I growing? Am I growing in my willingness? Am I growing in my heart to be a giving person? Like, just think about, like, so just having the attitude of, man, how could I bless somebody? How wonderful it is to help with different things. But when we give, we must make sure we're giving with the right motives. Well, the bottom line of motivation is obedience. The top of the line would be love. It is the love of Christ that's to constrain us. Not guilt, but the love of Christ. You know, I don't want anyone to give to missions because, oh man, I feel guilty if I don't do it. But let the love of Christ constrain you. That there are people lost. There are people dying. There are people that don't know Jesus Christ as their Savior. And someone needs to go tell them. And you may not be able to physically go there, but there's other missionaries that are there and they could use our support. Let the love of Christ be what drives you. Be pure motives of giving. One pure motive would be gratitude. You know, David said, What shall I render unto the Lord for all his benefits toward me? The benefits. Yes, about 70 years ago, the First Baptist Church of Dallas was going through some financial struggles. Pastor was kind of, Louis Hobie was kind of frustrated, and he's doing all he could to kind of help the church overcome their financial difficulty. And one day he told the church, you know what, church, I can't do this alone. I can't hold this by myself. You know, we need to pray, we need to seek the Lord. But you know what, God needs to use us as a church. I can't do it on my own. And the man rose his hand and said, Pastor, I will give $5,000 um, in memory of my son who died at the war, died in the battle. Another man, inspired by that, nudged his wife and said, Honey, let's give 10000 for our son. The wife said, Our son's still alive. We haven't lost him. He goes, I know. That's why we should give more because he's still alive. Oh, did he have to give more? No. Did he have to give anything? No. But he had a heart of gratitude. And you know what? My son made it back from the war. You know what? I want to express my giving because of my gratitude. Secondly, we must give for the glory of God. When we give, whether in the context of a local church or being a blessing to a family or a friend or a neighbor or to a stranger, it ought to be to be a to magnify the Lord. Not for people who are just saying, oh wow, this person's generous. But may that light shine. May people know you as a generous person. In a Reader's Digest article years ago, um, there, um, I think Bill Bramlett might have told me this before, um, Evangelist Bramlett. But, um, there is a Johnny Lingo's 8 Cal wife. The article was called that. 
And in this culture, I'm not sure what culture it was, but oftentimes they would pay a price for their bride. They, they, they would pay funds. And um, usually someone would be able to buy a wife from another man, buy, buy, buy his daughter for a cow. You give him a cow, and then he gives you the bride. I don't know how the wives felt back then, um, being, a, being compared with a cow. I have no idea. But, um, but, but usually a wife would be one or two cows in this culture. If she was an exceptional wife, if she was very talented, and if she was very beautiful, she would maybe go for three or four cows. Can you imagine that? How many cows were you? I was three. Oh, I was just one. Man. Well, this one man was known to be very good at trading. He, he, he was great financially. And he paid eight cows for his wife. This woman wasn't exceptionally beautiful. The community didn't really see anything she had to offer. She, people didn't know of any talent. But the community realized that this woman meant so much to this man that this woman, all of a sudden, her fame ended up growing. Because this man saw his wife is so valuable as eight cows. Now, don't ever compare your wife to having eight cows, okay? She's probably not going to think that's very generous. But in this culture, it was. And may people see how much we love the Lord, how much we magnify Him because of our generosity, because of our good works, because of our deeds that we help people um, in the community, um, we help out missions. Let it be that they would see that our God is good. And finally, we do it to receive rewards. Now, first, that may sound carnal. We know God is the one that set up this system. The difference is whether you want the rewards of man or rewards from God. Okay, when we give our alms, when we're helping someone, yes, we're not to be sounding the trumpet. Hey, everybody, look at what I'm doing. We're just, you know what, we be generous. Help someone that can't even return the favor. And someone may never know about it. And be content and be fulfilled. But you know what? That person might go around and tell everybody eventually. And now people know you are generous. It's not wrong that they end up telling them that. But you know what? You still did it in secret. You still did it. You did that to be a blessing. And God rewards the openly. And yet there are occasions, as we talked about, where public giving happened. And, and, and that there wasn't anything wrong with it. It wasn't so much the fashion that's given. It's not wrong to pray in public. But yet there's still times where we need to pray in secret. There's times where we don't even need to mention our requests to people. We could just pray, God, I need you to take care of this need. But again, there's nothing wrong with sharing requests either. But may our giving be an example and encouragement to others. Now, Proverbs 3, 9 says, Honor the Lord with thy substance and with the first fruits of all thine increase. So shall thy barns be filled with plenty, and thy presses shall burst out with new wine. So God talks about you give, and it shall be given unto you. In 2 Corinthians 9-2, Paul commended 
the members of the church at Corinth for their commitment to give. It says, For I know the forwardness of your mind, for which I boast of you to them of Macedonia, that Achaia was ready a year ago, and your zeal have provoked very many. Your zeal have provoked very many. Their zeal in giving provoked many. Not provoked them to anger, okay? But provoked them and like, wow, we want to be given like that. You know, um, Berean Baptist Church in Puyallup. You know, in our transition here, man, they were very generous to us, the pastor, the church, and helping us um, get, uh, get situated. And yeah, I see them continuing to be a blessing to others, helping church planners. You know, that, seeing them being a giving church, it's not a secret, okay? But they're not doing it to be seen to men. They're just being generous because that's who they are. But it inspires me as a church, as a person, as a church, for us to be giving, to help others in need like that as well. Paul told other churches about their generosity, and it inspired others to give. And just as the body of Christ needs models of every spiritual discipline, it inspires us when we know someone in the church that's a prayer warrior. And when they tell us they're praying for us, we know they're not going to forget. And there's those in the church where we may really know, man, this person really reads the Bible. They know the Bible well. And it challenges us to want to do more. The faithfulness of others who serve in the church encourages us. It's no different when given. When someone is known to be generous, it is inspiring and encourages others to be given as well. John R. Rice used to say, God wants your money. He wants the wallet your money is in. He wants the pants the wallet is in. And he wants the man in the pants. It all belongs to him. Even better what Jesus said, for where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. Where's your heart this morning? Is it with the Lord? Let's go ahead and bow our heads and pray. And it's... Norma comes, plays the organ. Just pray, Lord, help me to be more generous. Help me not to get upset when a message is preached about giving. Help it to inspire me and motivate me. You know, this doesn't mean, you know, you broadcast and you say, hey, look at, you know what, look at what I'm giving in the offering. Or, um, hey, look at, I'm going to go help my neighbor today. No, we don't do it to be seen of men. Do it with a, we do it with a pure heart. But may our generosity just kind of leak through us that other people see it. That when they see a model in the church, like, wow, this person's a given person without even knowing what you give. But they just sense that heart, that spirit, that while this person is giving, may that inspire the rest of us. You know, it's inspiring when, you know, it's someone that's, say they're not very wealthy. They kind of just get by, but they do something generous for somebody. It speaks to us. You know, and no one is any greater than God, who was so generous that he gave his only begotten son, Jesus Christ, to die for your sin and my sin. We're created in the image of God. Perhaps God desires us to give. 
not because he needs it, but he desires us to be givers, to be an image of himself. There may be someone here, no more important than hearing anything about giving, the finance, anything, is receiving Jesus Christ. It's your own personal Savior. That's what God has given you. Usually we would feel it's an insult if we try to give something to someone and they turn it down. Now, sometimes they don't mean it's an insult. They just feel humble that you're willing to be given to them. You know what? Jesus already paid the price for you. He already died for you. Will you receive him as your Savior? All eyes closed. If there's anybody in here, you would like to know how Jesus Christ could be your own Savior. And you don't know if you would go to heaven when you die. But you would like to know, and you would like me to show you from the Word of God how you could have eternal life um, after the service. Go ahead and slip your hand up. Christians, you're already saying. Okay, the saying is still true. It's more blessed to give than to receive. It's the words of Jesus Christ. You've received the gospel. You've received salvation. Make sure you're sharing that with others. Share the grace of God with others. Let other people know how they can have salvation in Jesus Christ. Be giving of that. Spend a moment for us. Ask the Lord to work in your heart, giving, whatever it may be. There, Heavenly Father, thank you, Lord, for your word and also, Lord, that you allow us to be able to be givers be giving towards one another, to be able to give of benevolence, to help people in need. And we're so grateful for your provision that you've given us. But help us, Lord, to grow in this grace, to grow in our giving. As when we grow in our giving, we end up growing in our faith as well. And I just pray, Lord, that when people give, it's not grudgingly or out of necessity, but it's out of the joy, out of the gratitude of you. I also, Lord, ask you, Lord, for you to be with Rick and Sarisa, who traveled to California for a family trip, family vacation. And just pray, Lord, that they'll enjoy their time. And, and also that you give them travel mercies. And just thank you, Lord. Um, for them as well. And we just ask you, Lord, that you bless the day. Help us to be a given people. Much more than even monetary. But of giving of ourselves to others. Of giving of our service. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you. Shake hands. Fellowship be friendly. Amen. <laughs>